Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben off the cheek This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, my name is Brandon, joined by Dan and Nick. Gentlemen, how are we doing this weekend? I know, Nick, you're on a bit of a tight timeline here, Mr. Uh, World Traveler, on your way to another city yet again, That's so I appreciate true. you uh, connecting with us today. He yeah, made time I, for us, Brandon. Look, when, when, you're, when you're in demand, when you're popular, this is what happens. Um, no, I'm, I'm excited. I'm going on a, a pretty big work trip to, uh, to Park City and to Lake Tahoe um, to shoot some uh, some extreme uh, sports athletes so it'll be it'll be pretty cool uh but yeah I won't I won't be on the Tuesday episode after Lille so just just note that um that you'll want to tune into those as I will not be on <laughs> noted Dan so uh big Best opportunity possible for advertisement us. that's yeah. a wonderful wonderful <laughs> way to celebrate a Wednesday morning with a uh, Nicholas pod Nicholas Pod. Pod. Uh-huh. All right. Well, uh, a little exciting for all of our listeners out there today. We have a new first-time guest. Uh, we, we've known and con- connected with this person, per usual, on social media for quite a bit. Finally got to connect with him in person in London. We have Louis Beneventi, the official international man of mystery title right now sir welcome to the pod thank you very much thank you for having me international man of mystery it makes it sound like james bond i need oh, yeah. i don't have the gadgets though unfortunately i'm like currently in the process of moving out of my flat so they're all in my box somewhere so i need to go and grab i've got my watch but you know it kind of 
lays of the wool, so I'm going to lose my deposit. So, you know, outside of that, we'll have to be <laughs> Well, it's responsible of you, you know, gadget owner, to have them, you know, stored away safe, you know, only when you're on mission. That's good. No, exactly. No one, ever, no one ever talks about James Bond's, like, lease terms after he wrecks another Aston, you know? Like, what... <laughs> What happens? So speak, speaks a direct line. Can I get some new insurance? <laughs> no, <laughs> this, this, this is not going to happen. It's going to be really interesting post Brexit to see if they can still afford all that gadgetry. Mm. I know, it's fine. I'll, I'll be fine. I've got an Italian passport or I plan on getting one. So you know, it should be okay. I'll, uh, uh, I'll be able, all I have to do is, you know, put my fingers in that weird way. And, you know, I, I do it anyway when I get angry. So that's fine. <laughs> well, that'll be good. We're, we're excited to have you on. Uh, and, and like I said, get, uh, get through this result today. So, uh, prepping us for this, Nick, what is today's overall theme? What are they going to expect to hear about? Much like Festivus, which is a, uh, for our friends in the UK, a Seinfeld bit, um, where they create their own holiday around the, uh, around the Christmas period. Um, there is a airing of the grievances, Dan, that I think um, will both happen about the match and perhaps about the um, – it's a small organization called FIFA. It's not a big deal. You should um, talk about that, though. I, I feel like you just acted like the U.K. never got to see any Seinfelds. I, I don't know. It might know. be very presumptive. but I don't I, I, know. I mean, I, mean, oh, I have never seen Seinfeld. I'm just Boom, okay. in your face, Dan, right there. <laughs> Yeah. I also am not a fan of friends, if that's something else which is going to cause a bit of an issue. So, Oh, that's perfectly right. fine. Lewis, it was great seeing you again. Um, we're gonna... <laughs> <laughs> you get a you'll... Lewis if you're wrong. That's what you get. Yeah, I'm sure you'll get a couple of tweets, but it, it, you know, not a big deal. Don't worry. Um, so yeah, well, banking off that, obviously uh, today we will talk about uh, some positive news that happened in the week, which was Cass's verdict on FIFA's unfair band and Chelsea's legal victory there on that front to be able to register players again. Then we'll dive into the mistake at Goodison Park that saw Everton take all three points from the clash, which is highly disappointing. And then we'll wrap up taking a look ahead to the midweek and discuss a possible 11 who will take the maximum points and push us into the knockout stage of the Champions League because that is a must right now at this crucial time of the season. Uh, Dan, we do have two more Apple Podcast reviews. Five stars. Love them. Yeah, two reviews, five stars, ten in total. We are so thankful for Max and Herbzam for giving us a little love there. Guessing Herzam is from the 305 Miami, so maybe a little bit of a Pitbull fan, maybe a little bit of a Miami Heat fan too, but also both of them fans of London is Blue. So thanks for leaving that five-star review. And as always, go on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, and we'll give it a shout-out at the beginning of the next episode. Same goes for those that support us on Patreon. So Paul and Pablo, thank you so much for joining up. Uh, you will get your links to Discord soon if you haven't already. And obviously all the other benefits that come with that, like our FIFA Pro Club and, uh, yeah, more stuff. Uh, but Nick... We've got an update on the London is Blue scarves that are out for sale. That is right. Uh, we have about, and I think Dan Dan sent me this last night, like 45-ish left. Running out, baby. Uh, so um, so I, I think I had underestimated the amount that we had, but yeah, about 45 left. So if you're interested, I know that Dan will be a busy little worker bee uh, today getting those uh, prepped for... Uh, for shipping um, so that, you know, some early Christmas gifts perhaps can arrive. Um, but those are $20 for U.S. residents, $25 for international residents, and that's shipping included. You can PayPal us, contact at LondonIsBluePodcast.com, but please select the paying for goods or services 
tab instead of the friends or family tab because um, you'll you'll run into trouble that way. But they feel like they're friends and family of us. Yeah, they do. We love you, but you're paying for goods or services, right? Yeah. So just make sure to uh, reach out to us if you have any issues. We are here to help. But jumping right into it here. All right, we've got a little bit of a a victory for Chelsea. I like how Dan put F FIFA in the script as as if you're trying to set me up here. Uh, well, but, I knew you wouldn't say it, so I just figured well, I would put you know the asterisk there. Uh, <laughs> this man. Hey, good news, the ruling from Cass. So the the statement read, the sole arbiter found that CSC did violate Articles 19.1 related to the international transfer of minors and 19.3 related to the first registration of minors, but for a significantly smaller number of players, about a third of the violations found by FIFA. In addition, the violations of other RSTP rules were found to be less serious than those attributed to Chelsea FC by FIFA, Accordingly, the sole arbiter, arbitrator reduced the sanction to one single transfer ban, which Chelsea FC has already served during the 2019 summer registration period and halved the monetary sanction. In view of the upcoming transfer window, the sole arbitrator issued his decision without the grounds. And the, the reasoned award is being prepared and is expected to be notified to the parties in early 2020. Um, Brandon, Brandon, all you had to do was just to say in summary... Fuck FIFA. Mm. Yeah! Sorry, Dan, I was excited someone did it. I mean, this this just seems ridiculous that FIFA overinflated the the number of players that were found in violation. They inflated the ban. They inflated the monetary fine. What in the hell is going on, Nick? It's almost as if FIFA is not a upstanding organization like we all thought it was. Um, Wait, what? I know, I know. I I thought so too. Um, no, I I mean, it, this was kind of a surprise to me, uh, Louis. I I genuinely thought that we would, you know, because we're Chelsea and there is a, a crusade against us from it appears all angles, whether it's refereeing or or from the the higher levels at FIFA that we would have to serve this, you know, the second half of this ban. But I mean, it's it's absolutely fantastic news. Oh, hundred percent. I I took great pleasure. Uh, on the day it was announced, messaging all my friends that were Arsenal and Tottenham fans and just saying, boys, I hope you uh, enjoy the video that I'm about to release right now. I'm just going to be, <laughs> you know, talking about how much FIFA are idiots and how I was right. And, um, you know, I think I, I did think I was like, going to irrespective of what happens, like the fans are not going to get overturned. Because there, there was that 48 hour period, wasn't there, where they said it's going to happen today. And it didn't happen until the day afterwards. And at that point, that's when I think a lot of us were sitting there going, we're, we're just going to get banned. We just got to deal with it now. Um, but he got overturned, and now we're going to sign Messi. Hey. Right. Wow, exclusive. Wow, I know, you, right? you had to bring that in. He would, be a nice, he would be a nice second striker, I think. That is nice. Yeah, Yeah, no, leave him on the bench. You know, He can come on and be that impact <laughs> sub that Mitch is. A minute, <laughs> you, know? you don't need Messi. He's overrated. I'm a Ronaldo guy, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, th- this is going to be really interesting. Uh, but, Dan, do you want to walk us through some tweets from friend of the pod, Jake Cohen, our legal eagle? Yeah, he he's the legal expert. We are not. So while we can say 
fuck FIFA. Mm-hmm. He gives a little bit more of the commentary that we need, which he says, on the surface, Chelsea's case looked to be an uphill battle given the number of players involved, plus strict liability enforcement of Article 19, an extremely well-deserved victory. Congratulations to Chelsea's in-house team and their external counsel on getting a brilliant result for the club. Follow that up with a... In June, I specifically highlighted the need for FIFA plus CAS to exercise judicial prudential, uh, prudential consistency and that strong argument with regards to FIFA definition of organized football and FA FIFA compliance. I was glad to see we're on the same page as Chelsea. That has to do a lot with the types of games that youngsters are trialed in, where maybe in the FA they don't have to necessarily get registered, but FIFA views them as needing to be registered. And it sounds like at the end of the day, Kaz agreed with us like they had for many, many other cases recently. And we come out with a little bit of a victory lap. Yeah, I mean, this this Brandon was a huge, uh, you know, I, I remember talking to Jake this summer, right? Because we, we did some summer content with him and he was pretty pessimistic about how strict article 19 was going to be enforced and i think and rightly had, so right yeah and and but i think from from your perspective you know it was nice to see him be a little bit surprised that that it kind of turned a little bit because of the i think just the gross over exaggeration of of violations honestly my favorite part about this is how strong the club are responding a lot of times you know fifa is the world governing body you kind of have to just deal with their bs and things like that like chelsea aren't taking this you know laying down at all um you know two of the things in their in their club statement the first one was point one the approach taken by fifa to this case has been deeply unsatisfactory not least as fifa chose to treat chelsea entirely different to manchester city for reasons that make absolutely no sense to chelsea not mincing words And then in point four, they say Chelsea respects the importance of the work undertaken by FIFA in relation to the protection of minors and has fully cooperated with FIFA throughout this investigation. However, if FIFA continues to impose inconsistent and unequal sanctions on clubs, then it will not only undermine the very purpose of the regulations, but it will also bring into doubt the game's confidence in FIFA being able to appropriately regulate this important area. I mean, Louis, it just... I, they are going at him, and and rightly so. It, it, it almost when I read that, Obama dropping the microphone and putting his finger on his lips, just going, "Oops, Obama!" <laughs> just needs to put that out there. Um, honestly, like I, I like that that we didn't mince our words with this. It almost, I feel like over the past few years, Chelsea's uh, teeth haven't been as uh, as sharp as they could be. Uh, where I think now, I think this 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 season, you can tell that because it's almost a brand new era. Well, it is a brand new era in terms of Frank and the youth players coming through. Just in general, everyone's just changed their approach. Come, yeah, we're, we're, we're going for this. Like we're, we're going to absolutely ruin FIFA. And and to be honest, they just stated what I think a lot of the football world think. Yeah. Um, you know, when it was, I think it was, it was uh, Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid, Barcelona, us, whenever we've had these issues with FIFA in terms of this regulation, there is, much like VAR, a lot of inconsistency. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm glad that we are. We've gone to as a as a for the 2018 World Cup version of VAR, which actually worked and uh, it's been used appropriately. And you know, we've uh, we're able to sign players in January. Whether we will is another question. Um, or whether we sign the quality that a lot of people are after on Twitter is another question. Um, but uh, 
see how he progressed forward now. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, guys, that they called out City specifically because they could have called out what? Madrid or Barcelona. Well, well, why? Why, why, Nicholas? Why would that be so interesting in this point in time to call out City? It, it seems, Dan, <laughs> that they would, you know, they're, they're a direct rival and they're, they're in the same league and they got away with, you know, what is essentially the same thing that we got away with. And, and th- there is a, I think it is interesting, Dan, that they called them out specifically because in the past, I think, I think Louis's right. They have perhaps dodged or been a lot more soft in the way they've addressed some of these things, but clearly city financially and, and with the article 19 ruling has gotten away with a lot of stuff um, with UEFA and FIFA. And so I think it was nice to highlight the similarities and huge differences in the way that they are treated versus the way that we're treated. Yeah, I liked Louis' com- you know, call out to the Obama one. I was thinking and reading it more as if this was Dave Chappelle as Rick James and FIFA was Charlie Murphy. Charlie Murphy. Pointed the Ow. five fingers, say the face, uh, slap. Uh, that's what I was kind of going for there. But I also, so I, I was... In looking at this, uh, I also saw the comments that Gary Hayes made, and he kind of put out a tweet saying that when he worked at UEFA in 2009 and the discussion got to teams we follow, when I said Chelsea, I was told very politely that it wasn't politically correct, quote unquote, to use the club's name positively there, and it seems it's the same at FIFA. Just kind of interesting the way that Chelsea's perceived. Again, we're out to ruin world football. We're back. Papa Abramovich has a bunch of cash now that we need to just unload into the market to sign some marquee players. And you know what? Try as they might. They can't stop us. Well, thanks to Naz's article on Goal.com, he listed out a handful of potential targets. So he's got Jaden Sancho, Ben Chilwell, Nathan Ake, Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, Sander Burge, and Wilfred Zaha. Uh, anything on that list, any names, Louis, get you excited more than the others that you feel like would be not only a smart signing, you know, because we have the youth revolution going on, but also an impact signing? I think the most important thing you've raised there is the youth revolution because as much as I think a lot of people are excited about the ruling, and I think everybody is, we have to be taking into consideration the fact that there is going to be a lot of impact on the squad with whoever you sign. So you probably need to sign the people in the right areas that will build a relationship and continue the harmony with the squad. Um, for me personally, the two that I was quite excited by was Chilwell and Sancho. Um, I think with Pedro aging and probably going out the door in the summer, William potentially not getting a contract renewal. Um, Jaden Sancho, obviously really good friends with Tammy Abraham uh, and Hudson Adoy, and I believe for Kaya Tamori as well. Um, you just know full well that that would be a, a blessing and there'd be a lot of harmony within that group already. And he, he kind of just slots straight in, not forgetting that he's also a Chelsea fan as well. Um, ben Chilwell, on the other hand, I mean, I've whenever we, we Chelsea have played Leicester for the past couple of years and I've watched him play, I spend at least a good 15, 20 minutes watching him on the pitch and just kind of think, you know, he's, he's all right, he's, he's, he's quality. And then as soon as we've been linked with him, I think he's definitely someone, as, as much as we love Emerson and we love Aspilicueta, Aspilicueta is slowly, you know, coming to the end of his career, probably better utilised as a centre-half maybe or as a utility man to come off the bench. And Emerson, I feel that his final delivery of balls could be a lot better in, his, in the final third with the decision-making. I think Ben Chilwell is a massive upgrade. They're, they're the two for me that really stick out and I would love to see at Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, I think when, when I look at this list, Louis, the... 
you know, I think there's maybe two categories that we should separate this out in. One is what do we need immediately mm-hmm. um, to, to be competitive through the end of the year? And then who might we be able to get um, on a big contract this summer? I think those are kind of two different things right now. Um, we need defensive reinforcement. I, I think n- there is no better time to talk about that than what we're going to go through with the, the match review. 100%. Um, and so I look at left back. I don't think that, um, you know, I don't think SP is going to be a, a bad um, placement there through the end of the year. But, you know, long term, I think that's a good piece. Dan and I were talking a little bit before the show that, like, there's no way that Leicester are going to sell him midseason when they're oh, second on the table. Yeah, um, so I think it's it, it may be just finding, you know, what, whatever Chelsea do, I think, the you know, as much as I don't want to give Liverpool a bunch of credit, I think the way that they have bought players that are impactful and, like, spent a bunch of money on a, on a small handful of people is the right way to go about mm. this. And I would rather not spend money on Zaha when, you know, we have a very capable uh, slew of winners and, you know, Zaha is much older than yeah. like a, even a Sancho at this point. I agree. And you, but you'd only pay probably, I think uh, Palace were touting like 80 to 100 million for Wilfred Zaha. But you, exactly. And you can get Sancho for 130, which is what he's been touted at. I'd rather wait to the summer, spend that extra 30 million and have a guaranteed guy come in and do the job. I think defensive reinforcements, I agree with. Whether Ake is the kind of guy, for example, who would improve, I, I, I don't think he would. Um, yeah. I, you, you kind of, where we're talking about Liverpool and impact, they forked out 75 million for Virgil van Dijk. At the time, it was a risk, but you can see just exactly what he brought and what the differences are and how he could improve. Like, if, if any, Anything. I think right now he's not on that list and it does sound like it's me trying to do a, a FIFA investment in terms of transfer online um, but it's one of those where I think with how everything's happening at Napoli at the minute and how the relationship between the players the manager and the board is just completely incoherent a Khalidu Koulibaly is probably the person you look at and go straight away right that is an improvement that's exactly what we need to come in but then again we've still got Antonio Rudiger to come back into the side so, you know, it's, it's stuff like this where it's, it's, it's hard. Like, who knew transfers could be this difficult? We just sit there and say, we want this player. Why don't you just get it done? Good guys. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I look at that list, another team of Werner. I think we do, we do need competition for Tammy Abraham. Yep. Um, but or, or of- crazy idea. What if we played two strikers who no. could play off one another like Damn. Timo Werner? And Tammy Abraham up top with a ten behind them. Dan, I mean, as you know, that that's illegal. Just, that's illegal. You can't do it. Is it? Will yep. we will we get banned for buying players again if we do it? Yep. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I I I love the concept, but I'm just not fully convinced that Timo Werner would come to Chelsea. It was okay, Timo. You got you know you got to compete for your place, and he's going to sit there and go, yeah. Well, I mean, I could literally go to Bayern and be. Well, he, there, he like, also he, he also could play wing too. So I mean, he, yeah. he's played like a left wing position. So you know, you could you could still roll with a three up top. But I, I think just you know, crazy idea. Have an option potentially put two goal scorers up the top, let them play off one another, and just be a little bit more resolute in in defense in your midfield positions. Uh, mm. Kai Havertz is also I think a really good shout. Uh, it's been a little down from a goal tally that he had last season. It put him in a double digits, but. He could be a, an investment standpoint. Most of these are very young players outside of Zaha. And uh, I, you know, I think the Aki points that you raised 
really, really good in the back three. You know, I think he's 50-50 right now in Ariel, and, you know, he's probably not the right fit for what we need to go out. Like, he's not a immediate upgrade. You know, we watched a Bournemouth team get torn to shreds yesterday by Liverpool in second gear, and that's not the, you know, you want to see someone so dominant that they are going to basically displace someone tomorrow from what is a, would be a very easy you know, center back pairing to kind of break through into. And I, I don't I don't know that he's necessarily better immediately than what our best two options are right now. And that that's where we need seismic upgrades. You know, we don't need you know, we need true step change. We don't need to try to kind of inch our way forward. We need to take, you know, leaps and bounds ahead with each player that we sign after this. Can I put something out there? So sorry, Brandon. Um I, I, I argued this I had this conversation with George and Joe while we were out in Valencia, and it didn't go down so well. But I want to see what you guys think about this. A player who would be a seismic upgrade, who is available, who maybe wouldn't be happy with second fiddle, but could understand why he might not be the first choice. Zlatan, anybody? He's also a very different player to Tammy, where he's not pacey, he offers a different option. I'm just putting that out there and going to you know, just leave it there on the table. And get your thoughts on whether you think I'm an idiot or not. Brandon, please. I don't even know what to think. That's like so far outside <laughs> of where I was. That's interesting. So, I mean, look, Chelsea have done this before. Samuel Eto'o um, bringing Drogba back, it, you know, in the sense of you bring a really big name to do a very specific role. I th- think, oh, man. If, if he was up for it, right, because... The hard part with Zlatan is his mental, his mentality, like his approach to it. If he was in and like seemed bought in on the project and everything and playing Champions League and all that, I'm I'm open to to it. I'm just really concerned that he's a, I mean, his personality is so much bigger than everything else. You know, yeah. how is he going to do in a locker room full of kids? Like those discussions behind the scenes would be so important with him. Uh, he, I think that's what I would worry about is like the, the locker room influence. And, mm. you know, I, I think he could give a mentality of, you know, winning is the only yeah. option. Yeah. But. Like killer, like he's a straight up killer. There's no doubt about that. But to me, uh, is that the, is that the role model you want Tammy Abraham to be over the next 10 years of his career? You well, know, he, I, yeah. I don't know. He's got that level of arrogance already, Tammy Abraham, which I do like. So, for example, when he misses an opportunity, he's pissed off. I mean, like you get centre-forwards that are a bit upset. Like, I mean, I'm just directly comparing having watched Avara Morata and Tammy Abraham. You could see the fire in Tammy Abraham when he misses opportunity because he's offside or when he misses an opportunity or when he feels he's in a better position than his teammates to take an opportunity. Uh, and obviously with Alvaro, he didn't get that. But then you see the same with Zlatan. And I don't like... I think the difference with Zlatan is when we're talking about that arrogance, I don't call it arrogance. I call it confidence because the difference between arrogance and confidence is arrogance, you can't back it up. Yeah. You, you can't go out there and do it. Whereas, you know, for well, Zlatan can turn around and go, well, yeah, I'm this guy. I've done this. This is why I'm here. This is what I help you do. And you've already seen that when he was at Man United, for example, he was in a locker room full of kids then as well. You know, you had Luke Shaw just coming through, Andreas Pereira, you know, Scott McTominay and, and Lukaku as well, where you had these players slowly developing. And for those two seasons where Zlatan was there, you could see that there was almost a sense of they've got this guy who's done it with AC Milan, with Juventus, with Barcelona, kind of, with PSG. He's gone out there and done it. And 
you know, that's, that's the only reason that I put him forward because people are talking about quality, which is available in January and you're, you're not going to be able to get it anywhere really. But it's like, you know, Zlatan is the guy that is there who we could get for a year or we could end up trying to fork out 120 million on someone in January who might not get to hit the ground running properly because he's being thrown in at the deep end when you would rather bed them in in the summer, like we were talking about with the likes of Sancho and maybe Timo Werner. You know, I, I, that's, that's the only reason I'm putting it out there. Like, you know, we wouldn't be able to get Zaha and it would be pointless to try and sign him for in January because it's every single fl- price, no matter what it is, in January will be inflated. You know, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's this, this, this is the hard part. Like, it's great to have the, the ban rescinded, but are we going to get the value for money that we need? Man, summer was so peaceful when we didn't have to worry about signing anyone. I know. Following rumors. <laughs> yeah, and as much as we don't want to talk the match, uh, I do want to push it there. But the one last one I just want to leave it with is, you know, we all talk about impact signings, but don't forget that I think one of the most important signings we could potentially make is not an impact signing. It is very strategically a backup signing, and that is in goal. Wow. I think a lot of people feel like Kepa needs to be pushed more than what Willy Caballero can provide him. So um, that should be one that could be added to the list as well. I'd be interested to see what Chelsea, what they think about it internally. Obviously, we'll never know, but just bringing that back out. All right. What a... What a what a lead in! What a teaser for the next section. <laughs> well, obviously, uh, we are going to be breaking down the match, and like we said, uh, as we look ahead, um, just talking a little bit more about the table, uh, Chelsea women's and things like that. But we're going to take a quick break. So a huge thank you to the sponsor for supporting the show financially, and we'll be back with the match review. All right, match review time. Appreciate the patience, but I'm sure all of you will get excited about the potential of Chelsea registering new players. So here we are, Everton, Premier League match at Goodison Park this past Saturday. Everton 3, Chelsea 1. The goals, not great. Richarlison, fifth minute. Um, then Calvert-Loon in the 49th. Kovacic gets a worldly back in the 52nd. Worldly, in quotations. And then 84th minute, Calvert-Lewin uh, kills it. Absolute dagger through the heart. Dan, run us through the lineup real quick. Well, uh, we, we didn't field anyone, which is why Everton scored uh. and uh, Kovacic somehow scored. Uh, okay, all right. There was a starting 11. Kepa between the sticks, Aspilqueta, Zuma, Christensen, Reese James as our back four initially. Uh, we did change up a little bit throughout the match. We saw Kovacic, Conte. We saw a Pulisic, Mount, William. And then we saw a Tammy Abraham up top, healthy no hip concerns, at least in the initial part. Jorginho, Ross Barkley, Willi Caballero, Fakao Tomori, and Emerson Palmieri as unused substitutes and only two subs this match. Callum Hudson-Doy and Mishi Bashwai were the two who made it onto the pitch. So top line stats, Chelsea with 15 shots, four on goal. Everton with 13 shots, seven on goal. Chelsea with an overwhelming 70% possession. Uh, we had nine fouls to their 14. They had three yellow cards. Uh, yeah. So, expected goals for this one. Everton 1.7, Chelsea 1.2. That is a very different story than what actually happened, Louis. It was, it was, it would, uh, I, you know, so I was listening to the fan cast and they did their Monday and Friday and Marco put out a tweet that says, oh, great. Everton sacked Silva. Here comes Brazil 1970 team. They're going to be up for it. 
<laughs> I guess what what were you thinking heading into this match, and then even react like a, a just overall reaction? I was thinking exactly the same thing. If I'm honest, I was. It's look. So my uncle is a diehard Evertonian. You know, he he basically been all over Europe following them like in the, when they were very successful and all of that. And you know, we were having a conversation about Marco Silva. And I was basically saying, why would you sack? Well, who would you bring in? He sat there going, well, right now we're tired to get David Moyes and I'd rather still have Marco Silva there because it's not exactly an upgrade and it's not exactly a, a decent, a good replacement and a good fit right now. Duncan Ferguson came and I was sat there going, he's going to be that strict teacher five, which will literally have all of the Everton players running scared to make sure that they get the job done. But he's Everton's answer to Frank Lampard. So you knew for a start, especially as soon as he came out onto the touchline. I wasn't there, unfortunately, but I have been at Goodison when it has been rocking. Uh, when I was younger, I'd go to my uncle in Liverpool, I'd go watch a game with him, or uh, famously the 6-3. That was, my, that was my first away game, and I remember feeling the stand shake, and you could hear on the television that Goodison sounded like a fortress again, and it kind of all just came into the place for Everton. Um, and look, they, they got the result. It's they, To be frank, on the day, they were the better team. They had more poignancy. They had more urgency. They wanted the result more than we did. And, you know, I was, I was just seeing shades. Again, I saw it in the Villa game as well, where, you know, we were trying to pass it into the net. You know, we were trying to score pretty goals, walk it in rather than, you know, just, just go for it, just have a go. Um, always trying to go to the byline and find that perfect ball into the box. Never just looking for the, that opportunity just to shoot. Willian, I thought, to be fair to him, first half an hour, all the balls he put in were on a sixpence. They were perfect. And no one was getting there. And it just looked like it was going to be one of those days. Um, I wasn't impressed, wasn't happy. But I think the biggest thing for me, I, I think Frank's tactical decisions by the end of the game when he was having to chase didn't make much sense. I mean, I'm looking at the lineup now, which you guys are putting in the script. And obviously, when William and Reese James come off, you've got Batshuayi going on for Reese James, automatically turning it into a 3 5 2 with Pulisic and William as the wing backs, for example. Uh, but obviously, William came off, Callum Hudson Odoi goes on. Pulisic and Callum Hudson Odoi are not wing backs. And straight away, you'd see when Kovacic would be pro- uh, progressing ball with Mason Mount. And the, the the other four attackers, uh, three attackers, sorry, and you have Kante sitting in front of a defence. You know, you already had a disconnect between the midfield and attack, which was the reason that they scored the third goal. They had open space to literally just run at us, and you know, it's it, there's it, he got it wrong yesterday, Frank. Um, but again, I think the beauty of this season, as much as people are disappointed with the result, is this is an opportunity to learn this year. Um, I mean, again, we were talking about Liverpool and credit earlier. You look at Liverpool a few years ago when their team was young and developing. We are in the same position. Um, we just need to learn where our weaknesses are, how this team can be developed. And then as time goes on, we can address those issues. Um, I think that, you know, it's it's a tough pill to swallow because I think a lot of people are Looking at Everton as you know that side which are in the relegation zone, not a very good team at the moment. Everton have quality players. We can't take that away from them. I mean, straight away, Richarlison, quality. Gilfie Sigurdsson, quality. Um, you look at Pickford and goal. Maybe not had the best of seasons, still quality. There is a very strong core of that team. Luca Dean as well, and we can't take away from them how good they are. 
are as players and how when that team do gel, they can cause anybody issues on any given day. Um, so it was just a bad day at the office, but we have to live and learn from it. Um, but it's not been a great run for us so far. Yeah, well, they, they, they were a strong underperform to where the talent level was. Mm. I mean, they strengthened, they added players. You know, Marco Silva had done well with them last year, so you expected that they would find a way to continue to push forward. Richarlison had been scoring at a clip last season. You know, Sigurdsson obviously is a really great additional player to have in there. Pickford, as you kind of called out, is, you know... <laughs> Just super nasty, especially with that challenge on Tammy. But, uh, you know, you kind of want a little bit of a bastard sometimes uh, out in the field, not in the pitch. I know we maybe miss that occasionally. But ultimately, like, you know, uh, we kind of got asked the question by members in our Discord. And, you know, I think we even say it's like WTF. Like, how do you explain the result, Nick? And, I mean, that's maybe, you know, where Lampard had some comments and he tried to kind of explain it. But I don't know if you thought one more than the other explains the result. Yeah, Nick, explain it. Well, as you know, I, I talked to Frank right after, and I, I think he's going to get this whole thing uh, sorted. So, well, uh, you're no. you're uh, you're the champion of the eye test, you know. So uh, we have to go to you. I'll I'll tell you, it wasn't great, Bob. Um, <laughs> it twenty uh, twenty. No, yeah, I think I think this is it's it's a difficult one, right? Because on the surface, and I and I understand, Louis, your, your point about giving Everton credit, and clearly they're a better team than their record suggests, or whatever, but you know, I'm kind of from the school of your record says all we need to know about you. Um, you know, you can have talented players, but they have been woeful this year. And so I look at this as not so much about Everton and their new manager bounce and all the, you know, the positives that they have gone on. I look at the last <clears throat> couple of weeks, and I think it's about Chelsea. I, th- I think it's mm-hmm. it's about our lack of ideas in the final third. I think it's losing to a 16th and an 18th uh, in the table uh, teams in, in the span of one week. Uh, I think it you know it looks like there are a lot of a leggy performances out there, and you know I put Willian and Kovacic and and even Pulisic at the end of the game. In that grouping, you know, I think that we've been a little unfortunate with some of the injuries and the timing of those, but it just, it just wasn't good enough yesterday. I mean, this team has consistently struggled to deal with a high press. And and while we do play beautiful football out of the back, uh, it was clearly the the confidence was not there yesterday to do it. Um, So that's a big problem because... You know, the new manager bounce to me suggests that it's going to be as much effort as the team can give at any point in that season, Brandon. And um, and if you if you know that that's coming and you still can't deal with it, uh, that's kind of a preparation thing and it's a performance thing. Yeah, definitely um, uh, struggled dealing with their pressure and their harassment and um, Chelsea didn't want to kind of fight through all of their uh, you know they just they would always they would stick a foot into everything they they would not let you go anywhere they would get hands on you and and Chelsea just weren't interested in that they wanted to pass and and play their game and Everton weren't going to allow that there was no time on the ball and I was just a little bummed at, at how we didn't match it or react to it in the right way um, because like I played in those matches before where it's like oh this team Look, you know they're not as good. They know they're not as good. So this is how they're going to approach it to unsettle you. And it worked. And it worked really well. 
they gambled that we were fragile and that we weren't going to be able to respond to some of the physicality. And Big Dunk and his side were right. We, we did not well, respond adequately to the physical challenges that they were throwing in. And, you know, look, they were time wasting from minute six on. You know, because once they had the goal, they were content to let us have the ball, have the possession, and work ourselves into a bit of a sweat and a fury to, you know, when things didn't go our way and uh, we couldn't kind of eke a goal out initially. Well, I'd also like to say that it's not just uh, fragile, like it's fatigue. Lampard played the exact same 11 as he did midweek, which I thought was interesting to say the least. Obviously, Everton got absolutely smashed by Liverpool midweek. Um, you know, so they had a match too, but it just, it, there's two different teams, you know? Well, it, it, I think to that point, you know, and, and I kind of want to get your perspective on this, Louie, because I think point one would be, well, I would have loved to see yesterday as P get stuck in on someone like, like JT would have done, you know, years ago and, and set the tone for the team that they're going to be out there and fight. And I think the other point is the the legginess um i i might have started emerson yesterday um just just because we knew that they were going to run at us and that they have speed up top i think it just made for a really tough day for a uh for a right footed left back to to find any any joy on that side but want to get your thoughts on those two i mean my question for the back four wouldn't be aspilaqueta it wouldn't have been reese james it wouldn't have been kurt zuma Andreas Christensen simply does not have the physical presence to be a centre-back in a two at all. Um, he's not been the same player that we all saw uh, in that second season of Conte since Messi turned him inside out. He's never been the same. And I don't understand why Fikayo Tomori didn't play. I don't understand why Jorginho didn't play. Um I think for me, I would have gone as a midfield theory of Kante, Kovacic, Jorginho. I would have, I would have kept the wingers the same. Mason Mount come on as an impact player. Um, I think Aspilicueta. I get what you're saying about setting the tone. I, I feel he he does. You know, he he does what he needs to to make sure that he can you know set the tone as much as he can for the team. But the thing is, he's he's definitely having his body catch up to him now. I think he's only just turned 30, but the amount of minutes that he's played in the Chelsea shirt, you can see what the physical stress has caused. It's a similar story to Wayne Rooney, you know, playing since he was 16. I, I guess they're very different, but, you know, it's one of those where by the time Rooney was 30, he was dropping into a central midfield role because his body had done so much over the previous seasons. Aspilicueta always put his body on the line, always that we needed to do, always was doing what he could for the team. But now you're starting to see the strain. Emerson. I can understand why we would have started him, but what would the difference have been in terms of that physical presence at the back? I don't, I don't really think that the difference would have been there. Um, I, I, I think the, 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 the biggest stress we saw, again, is, is Christensen. If you look at the first goal, he made no effort to go for the header. And then there was an opportunity that had 10 minutes later where he played Richarlison onside by following him rather than keeping with the line. And it's one of those where, I, look... I, I'm, I'm not convinced by him. I think when Rudiger becomes available, my my back two preference would be Rudiger and Tomori. I think Zuma has settled into the side more this season uh, as time has gone on. However, again, he is prone to lapses in judgment. 
Um, but well, look, I think I, you would I, say that overall, Rudiger is still an improvement on Zuma. It's oh, hard to it's it's hard to displace Zuma because we all love him. He's such a nice guy. But if yeah. you have to be cutthroat like you are in football, like Rudiger is essentially a better version of Zuma: tall, big, strong, fast. Hundred mm, percent. And I, and I think you know where where we're talking about centre half options. I think. Rudiger is incredibly underrated, but as is Zuma. But again, like we're saying, he is a better option. And I think him and Tamori should be the partnership going forward. Um, unless until we sign a better replacement for that left back slot. Look, I, I like Emerson. I think he's a very good player. I think he's had a very understated season. I think he's been great. Um, but between him and Aspilicueta, I just think Aspilicueta has more of that defensive sturdiness than Emerson does. And again, that's 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 just, that's just my opinion. I know a lot of people would disagree with that, um, but I feel he just offers more. I, I think maybe the point about yesterday, though, and and it, it, sloppiness, it, it could transition here, right? Uh, is we had seventy percent possession. We were playing in their half a lot of the time, and just like Manchester United has done to us, and and Leicester did to us, I think when we when we control possession so much and have this like sorry you know, almost sorry level of, of possession, a guy like Dave struggles to transition back effectively because he's, you know, he's so yeah. far pushed up. And so I think that might've been my point about, about yesterday. Although I, I take your note, Louis, that Emerson as of late has not been great at transition either, even though he's slightly faster. Mm. Um, so maybe that wouldn't have been the option, Dan. Um, but I, I think in, in general, Sloppiness is the word of of yesterday's match, right? I mean, this has to be addressed. Yeah, I mean, just to kind of quickly touch on Lampard's comments that he had. So, you know, he was asked about if sloppiness had cost Chelsea. He said all the goals were sloppy. The first goal was something we were aware of, of Richarlison in the air and in the box. The other two were just really poor defending from us. We looked like we were getting back in the game at 2-1, and we can't give away a goal like the third. It's ridiculous. He's talked about in the first half we created a lot of chances, but we don't want to shoot enough. We dribble into their box. We try to beat someone else. We need to shoot more. So Frank, exactly like everyone on Twitter who is unhappy with the, you know, ticky tacka to try to actually walk the ball in the back of the net. He doesn't like it either. And the last comment that he had, uh, which was uh, saying that it was a really poor mistake from us. Keppa passes it straight to Theo. And after that, there were two more mistakes. We can't defend like that. Uh, yeah, the the third goal was a little bit of a uh, you know an upchuck moment, a little bit of like vomit taste in your mouth because like the match had already gone so poorly, Brandon. That when you had a chance to kind of take a moment and process it, you're like, this how did how did this happen? You know, yes, Aspi had come off you know just a little bit before that, so maybe Keppa was still thinking that there was going to be a left back there to pick it up, but just what a lapse in judgment and you know to the point you made earlier. When you don't have fear for your job, you can make mistakes without maybe the with a level of a safety net that you shouldn't have. Yeah, I was really upset with the center back pairing overall and their performance. I mean, Calvert Lewin was an absolute nonsense or nuisance to them. Uh, he was winning the first header. Richarlison and Walcott were running off it. I thought Walcott had a really good day. It's you know for himself as far as he looked so threatening. Uh, he looked up for it. But like the fact that Calvert Lewin had as much success as he did, it's just unacceptable. I mean, you have like he was bossing our center backs, putting in terrible tackles, 
It's something that you would have expected a center back to do to a center forward, and the exact opposite was happening. And, you know, to I think multiple people's points here in Louis is that I think Christensen is probably a really good continental European center back, not an English Premier League center back mm-hmm. because of the physical requirements that the that the Premier League has. I bet we've seen he's great in Germany. I bet he would do great in Spain, obviously because of the level in France, he'd do fine there. Um, and maybe even Italy, but the way I see it is I, he had a good run for a while, but that was in a three back set. And that's when he wasn't being challenged for the ball. He was just reading the play and reacting, uh, almost like a sweeper and uh, a four back set doesn't suit him in this situation. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. And then also I want to touch on the Keppa mistake. So obviously um, it was a terrible pass from Keppa that led to the third goal. Obviously, more shambolic series of events, laughable, happened before the ball was ricocheted in by Calvert-Lewin. Um, but I, I told you guys in the text group, so I've been in this situation as a goalkeeper um, in the sense of like Keppa was really, really frustrated that it wasn't happening on the other end. We we're creating a lot of chances and wasn't going in. So as a goalkeeper... <laughs> You want to make a bigger impact in the game than what you've been able to. So that's why he even saw it towards the end of the match. He was like running to half to take a free kick. He just, he wanted to get involved and try to help the team. And he just got a rush of blood to his head, overhit a pass that, you know, nine times out of 10 he hits and he made the mistake. And I, like I said, I've been there. I've done it myself. Um, But at this level, he has to know that that's not his job. If the attackers aren't finishing, he needs to just get the ball to the center backs or midfielder, Kovacic, and let them do it. And, and you know, and if they aren't doing it, that's on them. But he he absolutely just botched that. And, um, yeah, I can't believe that it ended up going in. We had a two-on-one, and we defending, and we still couldn't get it out. So Yeah, I w- can I – I would like to quickly comment on kind of the, the succession of points here, right? The first being that – you know, Keppa it is super unfortunate that he made that mistake yesterday. We've talked about, you know, him having a an interesting season uh so far, but that one that one really hurt and I'm sure will be a huge point of discussion throughout the week. Um the second one being that Christensen if if you were to look at the most likely of our center backs to go at this point, I think it's Christensen. Um I just I don't I think we need something else. Tamori is a great combination of physicality and finesse. And and I don't know if we need just a pure finesse center back. Um, so that's that's point two. And then point three, which I think hurt us maybe a little bit more, Louis, is the fact that, and I think Pulisic is, is guilty of this. I think that William is definitely guilty of this. The dribble, 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 and we'll try and maybe get a shot off that gets blocked in the box is is getting ridiculous. And and you know the fact that Kovacic volleyed one in from from so far away, I think just spoke to you know growing frustration there um, that we couldn't get a really good shot on goal. So a lot a lot to digest there, but kind of taking the reverse order on stuff, pick it up where you want. Yeah. Um... I think that I'll, I'll go on the last point first. Um, I christened it last year, Parsi Parsi Bang Bang. Um, <laughs> oh, nice. Just, just for the people that found it harder to digest. So like, you know, it's Parsi Parsi Bang Bang. Here you go. Have a go. Uh, it's like, it's what 
what annoys me the most is, is what we took the mickey out of Arsenal for the entire of the 2000s. And you sat there going, ha, you just try and walk it in. And then now it's like, we want to play beautiful, delicate football. I'm going, yeah, it looks great, but I'd rather win a game with a scrappy 1-0, get three points and win a title. That That's just me. Um, but I think that there are there were far too many intricacies. I think, you know, there are times where we just need to put our foot down and go, no, this is what we need to do. And I think William tried to pass through to Mount uh, when it was only 1-0. Um, you know, he was really trying to just make that extra pass or do that extra thing when he could have just turned and shot. Same for, you know, Pulisic when he'd come to the byline or something, or William again, or Mount, or they'd just be at the byline trying to find Tammy Abraham and going, that's great, but, you know, at this point, you're, you know, 2-0 down or, you know, it's... it's, it's there's just there was just it was wasn't enough drive and it's just trying to find the perfect goal when in reality what you need is yes you need to be able to have the ability to do that but you also need to be able to score scrappy goals which just get in the back of the net um and I, I, like i said earlier you know this season is all about learning and finding the right experience and you know we we do just need clinical natures in implemented into the site you just need someone to go just shoot. You, you, but I think the problem is now when you when you look at look at the you know other leagues and other teams, I think there's only one or two central midfielders that you can really go. Okay, they're just going to shoot from distance. And you know I think maybe Ericsson at a push if you're looking at in the Premier League around the top levels. You know you, you don't have the Frank Lampard's, the Yaya Torres, the Czech Tiate, which is a bit of someone who's a little bit out there, someone who's just going to lash it uh, from midfield. But, I mean, we've got that in Kovacic now, and I think that's just an asset that we need to work on. But, you know, guys like Mason Mount need to just have a go sometimes. And I think it's a confidence thing where, you know, we can sit there and we can moan about it all we want now, but it's case of if he had a go and you knew it was just, you know, when you go, okay, shit from distance, they're trying everything, that it, 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 it that's fine. But it's a case they want to have that 100% certainty that they're going to put it in the back of the net so they make seven and a half million passes outside the box, then go into the box, then come out. And then by the end of the game, where the ball's moved so much, you kind of see a picture of the Mona Lisa develop on the pitch um, rather than, oh, okay, we've scored a goal. And um, and it's something that definitely does need to be addressed. And it's something that I think was implemented from, from last year. As much as, look, I'm not going to sit here and just criticise Sari because I already know Straight away, people are going to be on their keyboards just saying, I'm a sorry hater and all this sort of stuff, which I've been dealing which I've, I think we all had at some point last year if someone said anything. Um, where sorry's positives, for example, were found with Kante being used in the position which he should have been used for a while and you know, getting the best out of some other players, but Hazard and that last year. You know, the big negatives were there were times when we just moved the ball around too much and we're starting to see it again now. Um, where we had a almost relatively clinical nature of the previous few weeks before this period of play, you know, we've, we've seemed to have lost that and, you know, we're looking for the perfect goal. And as you said, as Frank said, and we've all said here, you know, we don't need that. We need to just shoot, need to just have a go rather than continuously beating players. Um, the only stat that matters more than anything, I get we're talking about expected goals and possession and all this sort of stuff, is Everton 3, Chelsea 1. 
that's something that needs to be addressed and we need to really start you know just taking our opportunities and our chances a lot more the 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 scoreline as always will be the most important one um you know i think a lot of people are really impressed with kovacic uh in this match so i think we can give him his, his credit i did text a group saying i think we missed Jorginho. Uh, a lot of people saying that just that transition from from defense to attack wasn't as great as it probably could have been um you know but obviously everton throwing a lot of bo- bodies behind the ball so we'll have to we'll have to see overall like i said I think a lot of people are very patient and kind of tempered on on this one, and they're we're hoping to chalk it up to a lesson learned. But we have to be careful because what is it? We've lost three of the last five now in the Premier League, which is uh, the worst form of anyone in the top four. And if you look at the teams right below us, their form is much better than that. So um, you know, it's not time to sound any alarm bells, but we just need to you know be be careful as, as we had as we move ahead um so dan you you didn't do a dan of the match poll well no i mean i woke up at you know 3 30 to check the lineup woke up at 4 30 a.m to you know watch the match and get sad and then uh you know i just uh you know it's kovacic right he scored a goal he played really well beyond that there, there's not really a consideration for a man of the match beyond that all right. Well, the Premier League table live as it stands, we've got some goals going in, so it's changing a little bit. Uh, Liverpool are on top on 46 points. Leicester City in second as it stands. They're up three one. They overshot. Um, they're up three one. Um, thirty eight points. So they're they're the ones making the push. Man City in third on thirty two. Uh, Chelsea fourth on twenty nine. United climbing after a couple su- surprise four points that they've gotten in the last couple matches. Uh, they're on 24 points, so that's our gap. We have a five-point gap right now. Sixth is Tottenham in 20 on 23. Seven Wolves, 23. Sheffield United still up there winning right now on 22. And then it goes Palace, Newcastle, Arsenal, Brighton, Burnley, Everton, climbing to 14th, Bournemouth, West Ham, Southampton, Villa, Norwich, Norwich, and Watford. So that is the table. Uh, we still have a few matches going. We still have the... Wolves and Arsenal match to be played on Monday, but I, I can't see too much shaking out beyond that. Um, we'll have to see. It looks like, Dan, we still have uh, a pretty good chance of making top four, according to... Uh, 538, um, yeah, the probabilities yeah, for the soccer power stats. index. Yeah, we uh, no surprise, Liverpool at 99% to qualify for Champions League. Same with uh, City somehow at 99%, Leicester at 83%, Chelsea at 64 and then Tottenham creeping up, no surprise, with who they've got over there, 27% probability that they will make it into the top four. But, uh, you know, let's just hope that, uh, you know, that that doesn't come to fruition. Hell no. Uh, and then last to wrap this up with some super exciting news, Nick, a result from the Chelsea women's team. That is correct. Uh, it was a big one this weekend, a uh, potential league table um, mover uh, as Chelsea didn't play last weekend due to a frozen pitch, which I haven't seen in, in years, but uh, they were home to uh, to Man City today at the Kings Meadow, got a 2-1 result. Um, and, and I think 
for this one, for those who have been listening to us all year, we're trying to do more frequent updates here. This moves them with a game in hand, Dan, to the top of the table. It was a huge result as City were, were kind of pushing for that spot. Um, and, and just proud of them. That was a really good win. They came back from one yeah. down. Yeah, Arsenal women's team are up actually 2-0 right now. So uh, live league table is 24 points to Arsenal. 22 to Chelsea, though, with that game in hand. And just a critical match. It was one we needed to win. And we left it uh, very, very late to take all the points. Uh, City got in there much earlier than we did. But, you know, thanks to uh, Mermielda and others, we were able to make it happen at King's Meadow. So just uh, exciting, really exciting for what's happening uh, there. You know, Beth England also getting a another goal, continuing her tally of just being a absolute dominant force in that side. Love it. Well, Louie. Thanks for hanging out, Thanks man. Thanks for having me. I, I, when I got the call, I was like, yep, I'm on there. So uh, it was, it's good It's good uh, to break. Uh, uh, boys, this piece was always fun spending time with you. We spent, what was it, like four hours in the pub when you were last there? And I was like, yep, <laughs> yep. I could, I could do this more often. This would be good. Yeah. That was some was shenanigans. Oh, that was. Yeah. That was a great night. But, uh, but yeah, thank you for having me on, guys. It's been great. It's great to see you guys doing so well as well. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we usually uh, retweet and post Louis stuff on social. So we'll have links as well to follow him. Make sure to do that. But Chelsea fans, thank you so much for listening to us for another episode. Uh, let us know what you agree with and let us know what you didn't agree with. We can keep the discussion going. Obviously, thankfully, it's a short week. So I'll have another match here very soon. Be covering that and getting back to you. But uh, you know what to do, Chelsea fans. Until next time, keep the blue flag flying high.